Hi, I'm Georgette Pierre, and you're listening to Black and Nuance Podcast, dispelling the idea that Black people are monolithic. Growing up in a Caribbean household with immigrant parents, education was huge for them, mainly my mother. She had four children with my two other siblings being born overseas. My sister Iona, who's now an ancestor, didn't want any school loan debt and used to take classes at a community college when she was alive. Then here I come, going super gusto on the formal education route. After high school, I went to college at a four-year institution and then attended grad school and got my master's degree, becoming a second-generation college student. It didn't click at the time, but then it made sense as I started going through the, the motions of being in school. With all the student loan debt I came out of grad school with, I questioned if all this formal education was even worth it. I'm grateful for the access it afforded me and the lessons that it taught me. But God damn, six figures in debt that most people spend the rest of their lives paying off is a little criminal. I also didn't do anything related to the degrees I received, so there was that. Apparently, I wasn't the only one. I have a formal education, right? Just not in what I do now. That's my co-producer, Wise Grissette, that ended up leaving the industry he got a degree in. I, too, decided to explore other interests unrelated to my degrees because I was very clear on what I wanted my life to look like. The college experience aided in that process, despite my feelings around how much I owed these hoes. Hoes being the school loan companies. When I, did went, to, when I went to college, everyone was telling me, people who had, I guess, graduated already or people who were, you know, in different stages in their career, they would say things like, oh, well, you know, whatever you're going to school for right now, like you're not going to be doing that in your future. You know, they used to say things like most people, they switch careers by like 27, 28. And I just thought that was like ridiculous because it's like, why would I even go to school and pay all pay all this money to switch careers? Like that just makes no, it made no sense to me at the time. Um, and then I came out uh, from college. I graduated my bachelor's degree in 2010 and I worked in the industry for what four years or so and i hated it and i mean hated with a capital h wise had a lot to say regarding this episode's theme of to degree or not to degree but i'll let him introduce himself to the collective I'm a podcast ah. producer by nature. I'm a storyteller by nature. I've been a, a storyteller my whole life, if I'm being honest. But in 2015, I launched a podcast network called the Indie Creative Network to provide a space for black and brown creators to get the tools and resources required to run a sustainable podcast. Um, through that journey, I have met some amazing people, including the amazing Georgia Pierre here. Oh, and, you. Um, you know, now... I still run that podcast network. I have a couple of audio ventures <clears throat> going on as well, too. And I am the podcast coordinator for Standout Design Group, which owns, it's a huge podcast, uh, a huge uh, company in architecture and design. And they own uh, magazines like Interior Design Magazine, Lux Interior and Designs, and just the whole Andy space. So, Huge opportunity for myself, um, and just it just shows this constant growth. So yeah, hi. The one thing we I we brought up was um, this formal educational journey that some people take, and and 
the informal educational mm -hmm. journeys that people take to degree or not to degree. That's mm -hmm. the question. Right. And I talk a little bit about my formal education, but what led me to go down that route and the amount of debt it left Ooh. me in. And so while it's kicking it off, you know, mm -hmm. can we speak to some of your experience and, and you deciding to go the informal route um, instead of getting a formal education and what was the catalyst for that? Um, right. because I know for me, I, if, if, if I had to only dip, if I was, uh, um, a hell no to loans, my journey would look a lot different. Mm -hmm. Right. On doing the so, whole So, yeah. So, uh, I want to preface this by saying I have a formal education, right? Just not in what I do now. And oh right so let's define want, that thank you for saying yeah. that Tiny. formal education if you went to an accredited college or institution whether it Correct. was a pwi which is predominantly white institution or an hbcu historically black college or university so you decide to get an official degree from somewhere even if it was as 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 um uh simple as a, a bachelor's degree or you kept going mm. up the ranks of getting a master's degree a doctorate additional degrees and so uh, and informal is you just decided to maybe do a community college or get certificates or certifications mm -hmm. in specific specialties around the skill sets that you um, were specializing in. Right. So for me, I have a formal education in website development and internet commerce. Now, uh, I, as I told you before, I work in podcasting, so very little crossover um, mm. outside of just the technology aspect um there's very little crossover very very little um i will say that it, it's it's crazy when i did when when i went to college everyone was telling me people who had i guess graduated already or people who were you know in different stages in their career they would say things like oh well you know whatever you're going to school for right now like you're not going to be doing that in your future you know, they used to say things like most people, they switch careers by like 27, 28. And I just thought that was like ridiculous because it's like, why would I even go to school and pay all pay all this money to switch careers? Like that just makes no, it made no sense to me at the time. Um, and then I came out uh, from college. I graduated my bachelor's degree in 2010 and I worked in the industry for what, four years or so. And I hated it. And I mean, hated with a capital H, uh, just being young, black in this, in a very early tech space. Well, not really like mm -hmm. early per se, but like mm -hmm. in a tech space that was still like diversifying itself and is still diversifying itself. Um, there was just not a space for this young black man to tell people like hey i can create this website for you and i can build this this way but from a usability standpoint from user experience standpoint this is not gonna work well people didn't like basically they were not happy with uh taking directions from me at 22 23 so i spent some time doing that um and as i was in that process i realized that you know i'm actually more interested in entertainment you know um, i had an opportunity to uh guest to be a guest on a radio show which is that was my first time ever even being in front of a mic um and that was just an amazing experience i 
actually just similar to what I'm doing right now. Like I was sitting in front of a mic and I had headphones on. I could hear myself crisp. And I was like, whoa, this is, this seems like this is for me, actually. And I started, I, that's when I realized that this is maybe a career that I would want to get into. So mm-hmm. I started this slow shift, essentially, to say, okay, well, I need to build myself up in this community but also build up my skill sets and relationships because I recognize that entertainment is more so a relationship-based field than anything else I had ever been it is. at the time. And in addition to the experience, right? Like, you know, who you know gets you in, what you know keeps you in, in mm-hmm. the door, as they say. Um, I, I'm curious to know, so when you started off in tech, um, what – you know, black and nuances is, is dispelling the idea that black people are monolithic, but also with season four, really getting into the nitty gritty of our nuanced journeys and how we had to navigate some of those things. And so you said there were people that didn't want to listen to you. You know, one, why do you think that is? Um, how did you navigate that? And then how did that roll over into how you started running your business when you decided to move away from the super techie side and building websites? And you're like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the entertainment side where I really actually enjoy, um, you know, contributing in a different way that, that, that with a foundation that you got to create. Yeah. So I would say mm, the hardest part about, you know, telling people that were older than me what to do was the fact that at the time, I'm not sure I was as confident in what I wanted to say or what I knew. I originally, Mm -hmm. like I was working in um, a marketing, at a marketing company, essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, I'm going to be honest with you, most of the places that I worked at when I was a web developer was like for marketing places or for marketing companies where they got essentially like hired by corporate companies, you know, Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s or whatnot to do their marketing for them, whether it's like building a website or making an email um, a email campaign or something like that. That was generally the work that I was involved in. And yeah, just like explain to people who have been in marketing for 10 to 15 years, but are not tech based, don't understand coding language or, or you know, user experience or hell like is the site even going to work in general like people just it was just a lot of technical explanations where it was just a, a, a harsh generational shift just imagine someone from like a gen z or now trying to speak to someone that's like an older millennial you know it's i think it'd be worse like them like. trying to manage baby boomers <sighs> a mad ooh, got because baby mm. boomers are our parents right yeah, like I at mean, least... I, and i dealt with some of those too you know yeah it's yeah. just, it was just so many layers. And then, of course, like the layers of like uh, corporate and, you know, just long term relationships, even in marketing. Actually, marketing is very similar in entertain to the entertainment space where it's like very relationship based. I got to say, the only thing I really took from my tech experience was the tech side, <laughs> like what I actually the technical aspect of things, which because, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't really want anything else. That was toxicity beyond and people talk about like toxicity in entertainment, but let me tell you something, tech is some something crazy. Um, but I transferred a lot of the tech stuff because I realized that a lot of people who were entertain who were in entertainment were not tech as technically astute as I was. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were they were 
not a few people, but it's just like the if there were, you know, ten jobs in entertainment, two of them are for are tech focused. You know, like even now, like you can be, you could be, I don't know, like technically a student on social media, right? But not know how to like build up, like use MailChimp or stuff like that, or use WordPress. Like those are things that generally like you don't have that crossover as much, yeah. but those are things that like I thrived in, you know, I've worked with when I first uh, came in entertainment, super indie. I connected with uh, a couple of friends of mine. They had a group called uh, scene media. I used to make rappers landing pages because what do rappers need people to find them online drop them drop their, their music on soundcloud help them get their uh things like up on like ascap and bmi like just the technical side the business side of things that people just were not as familiar with yeah um before I, that was more so before as i was in my transition from super tech to oh i can actually like get involved in entertainment so that's when i started this show called the uncle radio show and that was what people started to really know me more f- more for at the time because I interviewed hip hop artists, I interviewed um, business owners in the community and influencers to just find out like what was going on in New York City mm-hmm. and putting it out to like my audience of people because uh, at this time now I have like my friends from college, I got friends that I went to school with down in North Carolina, um, I have you know my friends friends in new york my family and my friends in barbados like i had been all over and i'm like oh well i have a lot of people that i'm tapping with tapping in with from all over the world let me give them something to tap into that's where that's where this whole thing this whole thing started really and truly and so what it makes me think about because i know we vibe on being having you know immigrant parents mm-hmm. that migrated from their countries and the islands their urgency around education, obviously, urgency and prioritization looked a lot different than ours, right? Because we didn't necessarily mm-hmm. grow up with the resources they did or didn't have back home, as we say. What do you? What are your thoughts about society's gaze of prioritizing formally educated people over those that aren't? Do you think that it hurts or hinders how we pursue the careers we truly want? It absolutely hurts. It absolutely hurts everyone, the society, the people on both sides, whether you are, you know, that person who has that high paying job, like you are a white collar, whatever it is, or you're the blue collar worker, everyone gets hurt because for one, diversity in thought. <laughs> if you're only mm-hmm. working with people who are white collar, they ain't thinking about no blue collar shit. They don't know nothing about no blue collar shit. Most vast majority of them, you know, and the ones that do are not even thinking about that anymore because they're not trying to go back to that space. Yeah, my parents were blue collar workers and struggled real bad, and they're not trying to ever see that for themselves or for their future. Don't blame me for it. And like you know, another a more recent uh, term or modern term would be essential workers. Oh yes, these yes, are yes, all yes. of our essential yes. workers who were grinding like crazy during the pandemic. They were the ones that could not work remote. You truly could identify who was a blue collar worker essential yeah. versus who was a white collar worker remote workers during the pandemic it was very blatant yeah like those mm-hmm. people they're not as familiar they're not as familiar with the other side 
So right. they're not even thinking about the fact like, okay, well, some of these jobs can be done at home or what is the safest solution to do this? To, what's the safest way to have this thing done? Yeah. But they're doing that from the safety of their home. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's a different process when you have to risk yourself yep. <laughs> or you think about risking yourself. It's very different yep, thought your process. life. Yeah. It hurts everyone all around. So one big disclaimer these opinions are our own. This conversation isn't meant to be a finite overview of how one navigates their formal or informal education journey. We're just offering insight into ours to connect the dots on how we got to where we are in our careers. That's it. Society has a way of judging people or dismissing people that don't fall on the spectrum of formal education. And then mm-hmm. it also there's something to be said about formal education affording you a level of access, right? A lot of us, at least for me, when people ask me what I did and what I studied, so I went to undergrad at Norfolk State University in HBCU in Norfolk, Virginia, and I studied entrepreneurship. But I didn't feel like I, I learned entrepreneurship. Like I didn't, I don't think I understood the. I didn't, I didn't feel like I learned the core of entrepreneurship because the other thing that did not dawn on me was that people would talk about. Every school had some semblance of people that didn't work in the fields that they were teaching. Mm -hmm. So you were learning things based off of book knowledge versus like also like lived experiences. So that was Mm -hmm. one thing with entrepreneurship. Then I went to Emerson College to get my master's in this field called Integrated Marketing Communication, IMC. At the time, that did not, IMC did not even exist. But mm-hmm. what I liked about it was it wasn't hardcore business and it mixed what I felt like was were aspects of mass communication. I'm going between both schools at this point, getting two degrees because I thought that, that I needed to be out here. And when you come out of school, all that time spent though wise, you quickly learn that some of the fields that you're getting into would, would, would have preferred you have the the actual yes. on hands experience mm-hmm. than you having the practical knowledge. And so what are some things that you've experienced with podcasting? Cause you, there were some things that you did some, a lot of self teaching that happened for yourself and, and for lack of, of, of comparison, but like the pros cons and indifference differences, right. Of being self taught and how that, propelled you and sometimes may have challenged you or proven to be challenging in your process of building ICN? I will say I am 99% self-taught. YouTube University took me a very, very long way, but I had the ability to... And wait, let's explain. YouTube University is literally people going on YouTube and watching videos, y'all. Just want to, just to get y'all looking like typing in YouTube University in Google. No, 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 no. Like when people reference YouTube University, they really mean they just Just used. Going online. And watching videos. Literally watching videos and like practicing what I was actually seeing. And I had the ability to practice that because I did have my podcast network. So the shows that we were already working with, especially like my, uh, the first shows that we launched with, um, I was able to invite them to our recording studio that we had at the time. And yeah, I can, now I can engineer their session. Oh, now I have actual audio to edit. That's for real. You know, like I'm editing this cause it's going live in a few hours or a few days or whatnot. Like 
this is real stuff. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm on YouTube now using a practice or I recorded myself for five minutes. Like, I was literally, it was literally trial by fire, which yeah. is actually how I work best, ironically. So, um, not ironic because I think you're in a subgroup of people that operate the same exact way. Yeah, you know what it is? You know what it is? I'm not going to lie. My ADHD, uh, what <laughs> yes. happens is when I get, when it, when things get like, when it gets real, that's when like everything works perfectly for me, if that makes sense. Like yeah, 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 that is yeah. when like my, like I can hyper focus in on what I need to do. It's when the pressure is on me. So feet, my like holding my feet to the fire is literally, that's the best way for me to learn. So I did have that experience, but also um, I also was not really, I was in a space where I did not have to rush to get a, to get a job in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think for myself personally, it worked to my advantage and, my, and to my disadvantage at the same time. It worked to my advantage because when I was meeting people in the podcast industry, it wasn't to get a job or it wasn't to, um, you know, build a, build a network or community relationship with them for hopes of getting opportunities and working with them in the future. That wasn't what it was. It was just like, oh, yeah, you work on a podcast. Cool. I work on podcasts, too. Let's just let's let's connect. Let's chat. Let's whatever, whatever. There was no pressure behind it. So that definitely worked to my advantage because I was able to meet a lot of people and build community online because no one, people knew I wasn't really looking for anything from them, you know, um, where I would say it hurt me. And, you know, this is how it, I led, I'm led to where I am now in my career. Yeah. I did not build though. I didn't, because I wasn't going in looking for a job. I never built relationships with people who were working <laughs> in the industry. Uh, I worked with a lot of independent artists and a lot of independent producers. I worked with much less people who were in the actual, I mean, I don't want to say podcast industry because there is a podcast industry, but there's also an industry of people. Like there are industries that use podcasts as their medium because this is a medium now. Like we're yeah. just like focusing on podcasts only. You know, I hated the fact that it felt like podcasting felt like we were in like a, a tunnel just screaming at other podcasters listen to our stuff because i didn't go for that network i didn't have like those people in those high positions that would look out for me mm -hmm. um, but what i've come to find out now <laughs> is that they've known me all along <laughs> and mm. just actually i don't know whether i can't i don't want to put words in anyone's mouth but they knew me all along so when i you know, connect with them on LinkedIn now. It's, oh my gosh, like, why? So how you doing? I heard so much about you. Or we talk on, on Twitter. It's like, oh my God, I was, I couldn't believe you followed me. Like, what, ma'am? What are you talking about? Sir, please. Um, <laughs> This is just, I'm the same person I was, you know, four, five, six months ago, a year ago, same person. But, <clears throat> you know, people see particular titles or people see like the things that you're doing. And two things happened to me, ironically, in June that, you know, possibly put my name in a higher space or more yeah. visible space for them to validate my work. But in my eyes, forever and ever, I've been validated a long time ago. Like yeah. my tenth year in podcasting, going on eleventh in June in um January. So there was a time, at least when I got out of school, that companies wanted to see that you had experience from what they deemed a reputable company. Being self-taught and learning skill sets on your own did not hold the amount of weight that it does now. I disguised some of my creative self-taught work experience on my resume under my production company imprint. I was creating and producing an internet radio show, producing a web series, the whole nine. It was valid to me, 
whether it had the stamp of approval from others or not. The industry has now done a complete 180. So don't be afraid to grab it by the balls and go full throttle on what it is that you want to learn and do. You know, now companies are are seeking people that will take the initiative to learn mm -hmm. these things, um, especially depending on the industry that you that you work in. And I'm curious if, if you saw that to be the case with you being self-taught and people wanting to 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 see people with more of your skill sets as you were leaning more into your line of work. I recently was on a job search this year um, from about June, uh, January to June. And during that job search, uh, there were people, well, there were jobs that I had applied to um, where people saw that I was overqualified. That was my first time I ever saw that um, happen to me within this podcasting space. Oh, gracious. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what does overqualified uh, look like? What does that mean to them? I, shit, I couldn't even tell you. Because overqualified, when, when, when you hear that, it's like, oh, they just don't want to pay you a certain amount or there's a level of expectations that comes with someone that knows how to do the job and do the job well that they're threatened by you coming for their position. Curious. Right, and it's it's a combination of, if I had to guess, it's a combination of both of those things Um, to the point where I even, like, dumbed, I started to dumb down my resume to make it seem less threatening. I have got to say that. Honestly... I will say, like, just to your other question, it's really generational differences that as to why, like, people more so, like, respect people who are self-taught, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. generational because you have people who are now getting into these, uh, who are getting into, like, the middle management, senior leadership positions that mm -hmm. are millennials that are, you know, self-taught. They know someone that's self-taught. They know someone that's a part of the gig, gig um, community they have probably did a gig themselves or whatnot and and know that you know youtube university is a real thing like you know this, we're almost at a point now where you don't even have to have that disclaimer because it's like oh yeah i got, I got that sure mm -hmm. i understand mm -hmm. what that what that oh you'll figure it out mm -hmm. right 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 because you could just google it mm -hmm. but it's like um so yeah definitely generational differences mm -hmm. um but i would say though people right now I'm not even sure if we can be able to use this on the podcast, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Right now, that is what happened um, at my job. I had to, so I had already dumbed down my resume, essentially, and um, they hired me to be their podcast coordinator. I honestly am not sure if they knew how long I had been in podcasting. <laughs> I'm not sure if they yeah. knew, if they Googled or searched my name. I'm not sure if any of these things, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm truly not sure because I, you know, I came in <clears throat> and, um, literally I think like the first, our first like two weeks in the, at the job, we were doing this, uh, mock podcast with some of our interns and I would explain to them like, well, no, they were about to leave. And I was just saying like, you know, it's awesome to meet you all. Like I've been in podcasting for 10 years. I haven't had, a, like, it's really great to see people starting at their, you know, their beginning. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you've been there for 10 years. It's like, girl, did y'all not Google me? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, but I'm realizing that my resume only said, you know, that I've been in podcasting from 2015. And but I what I have realized since I've been at this job now is that they were looking for specialists and people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, because what I'm realizing has been happening. And I think this is maybe a shift that's going to happen in 
corporate America is that people have gotten jobs for quite some time based on their degree and stayed in positions or continue to get positions because of the experience that they got, not the degree anymore. So what does that mean for those that want to still pursue the formal education route? It's really based on the industry you want to work in and the position you want to hold. When you think about higher education, it's not a bad thing, right? It's just that the system that we have here Mm -hmm. makes it so unaffordable Mm -hmm. that we have had to have other alternatives to make money, right? But we have a system that upholds this, you know, you have to go to college to, you know, for us, you have to get a, a bat, God forbid you get an associate's, yeah, but you have to get a bachelor's for us to want to even talk to you, for us to even identify or see you as someone as worthy for our conversation. That's not right. Mm-hmm. That is not right. So it plunged millions upon millions of people into debt just to have the opportunity for some to really only make like forty. $50,000 a year. I got into podcasting. I was a, I was, cause I was a host. I love to talk, but I eventually learned that my bread and butter is the technology side of things is my at core, my storytelling and the technology and the grasp of technology that I have. It's going to be what's going to work for me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is how I found my space in my, my space within this industry. I just did the work, met podcasters, kept doing the work you know they say like you cut something ten thousand times i literally have probably edited over ten thousand hours i've met hundreds not even exaggerating hundreds of podcasters i have not there has not been a day that i have not thought about podcasting since 2012 not a day i ain't woke up on this planet and didn't have to think about a podcast so if you're gonna not get a degree That's the type of grind and time you have to be on. Like I mentioned earlier, I found my way to college because I was inspired by what I saw on TV. High school friends at the time were talking about the schools they wanted to go to. It just seemed like the obvious next step after high school for me. I also high-key enjoyed schooling when I was younger. Wise's path took him to school, and with him taking those seeds, I directed him to podcasting and building his own business. My seeds led me to trying a little bit of everything in the entertainment space, with me now getting clear on what I want to do. The foundation of school helped with that. Just have to choose what's right for you, which will look different for everyone. Life has a way of interrupting the vision we have for ourselves. Tell me a time-wise where you literally had a what-the-fuck-just-happened moment that caused you to course-correct or change, like, pivot in your life, whether it was personally, professionally, or both? I will, I'll give you all three. <laughs> so um, I was in a terrible car accident in 2014. Now, mm. where I was at this time in my career, in my life, I was working, I was still doing the Encore Radio Show, but I was um, do, uh, working at this insurance company at, for, at my nine to five. And um, on my way to work one day, I got into a terrible car accident where I was a passenger in a three-car accident and had to get spine surgery. Now, that was a true what-the-fuck moment because, for me, I had never really been injured to that extent in my entire life. So having to, you know, even talk about spine surgery was just like, what the fuck? It was an everyday or what the fuck? I ain't going to lie. Every day, every day. 
um but what caused the pivot for me was um for one i was doing the encore radio show so every week at that point i was uh going to brooklyn to record and i couldn't do that anymore um so i had to figure out how was i going to still have an impact in entertainment that is um, now that i'm not as mobile as i was before Mm -hmm. um so that caused me to start thinking about ways to be impactful i had already had encore radio show and i was like well i want to switch over to a podcast versus just being a radio show uh this might be my time to pivot and that pivot led me out of like you know when i was uncle radio show host i would like physically go to events i would listen i'll be at shows from thursday to sunday every week you know um that aspect of my life was cut you know so it was it was a, a huge like shift in my life that really was caused by that car accident but um i gotta say uh it worked out accidents or things like that really recalibrate you in ways that you may not have even thought you needed to recalibrate right like think about that the the excess way people were living before this pandemic and then the little things that we were just accustomed to just being gone just like that and companies having to pivot and doing things remotely, acting like they couldn't do things remotely before. All that and time. so when mm-hmm. you talk about your spinal injury, I think about like when I had debilitating back pains and how it literally was, Georgette, what the fuck do you really want to do with your life? And I'm not saying it in the way like, oh, we don't know, we're uncertain. It's It was one of those, why are you at a job that is not fulfilling you? And so I, 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 I didn't immediately get on the bandwagon of like the pivoting and the recalibrating, but I, it's interesting because not knowing at the time, like that's the reason for your pivot. I remember when you started doing more things remotely and expanding in a different way that made it more helpful for you uh, to just be more nimble. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Because again, I know sometimes we're just living this life on like, sometimes we just wait for shit to happen wise when it's like, Sometimes the the fire that becomes the light under our asses is not necessarily always what we expect it to be, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's necessary. Yep. It's necessary. Getting into this last segment, what would have been the title of your story before your life interrupted moment? What would it be now? What would have been the title of my story before my what the fuck moment? The title of my mm, that is such a great question okay let me come back to the first part so the title of my life now would just be the story of determination Mm. uh the if i had to title my life before my car accident it was the story of the lucky boy yeah like things used to go very very well in my life it didn't make sense not that it didn't make sense but it was like you know when things could pivot real bad they always pivoted good mm-hmm. and then the car accident was like oh yeah i'm not even like i just felt like so in control of my life and so in control of everything like, i could i could make things happen yeah and being a passenger in this vehicle and getting into the car accident was like Oh, nah, but not only did I not make this happen, I truly had no control over 
over it in general. Right. In general. So, yeah, that's the, you know, that's that part. The ending or where we are now is just like, you know, I I never really saw obstacles before or felt like I had obstacles before. And that car accident, things just like there were just, it just felt like there were more and more obstacles, uh, whether they were physical uh, or mental or within like relationships with other people and stuff like that. It was just like a lot of like, it felt like it was a lot of like growing and growth and me just being determined in what I wanted for myself and what I wanted for my life and what I saw and what I still see actively. It's a story of determination. Those are good. Those are good. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Georgia. It is always a pleasure. Oh, man. Ugh. A lot of things have changed since I was in school. When anyone talks to me about furthering their education, I want to know their why. I think knowing why you're going is important. If it's attached to thinking the education will prove more valuable than the practical experience, I truly advise them to reconsider. I walked out of grad school with a lot of school loan debt between Norfolk State and Emerson. That was my path, though. I know the access a formal education has afforded me. That's why I plan to do a follow-up conversation with someone that chose the informal route, because I think it's important to hear nuanced sides of this conversation. What didn't work for me may have worked for someone else. To degree or not to degree, well, only you can determine that. As long as you're grounded in your why, you'll be all right. Until the next episode, peace. This podcast was written and hosted by me, Georgette Pierre, associate producer Tristan Bragg, and co-producer and editor Wise Grisette for the Indie Creative Network. Music by Otis McDonald, King Canyon, and Bail Bonds. You can follow my conversations on Twitter at Georgette and Instagram at Georgette Pierre. That's G-E-O-R-G-E-T-T-E-P-I-E-R-R-E. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Nuance Pod. That's Black, N-U-A-N-C-E-D-P-O-D, or email us at BlackNuancePod at gmail.com. Spell the same exact way. Subscribe and share from your favorite podcast app. We're streaming on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Thanks for listening. Thank you.